Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome, everybody, to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Dale Luganbill. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for listening. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe, rate, and review where available or possible. I'd appreciate it. And uh, what else do I got? Oh, so... I'm kind of purposely not talking about the event that we all uh, are, are well aware of what's going on. Uh, but it might kind of, you know, who knows, big question mark up in the air as far as the upcoming fishing season goes. As far as if people are going to be able to book, if they're going to be willing to book, if uh, whatever. But I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, if anybody would like to go fishing this summer, go do some bass fishing in Minnesota or panfish pike, whatever. Uh, give me a call. Full Scale Outdoors is uh, also a fishing charter guide service. Uh, so you can give me a call at 612-209-5438. You can obviously find us uh, on Facebook, Full Scale Outdoors, and on Instagram. I'm on Snapchat. Um, you can get a hold of me uh, multiple ways, and we'll get something scheduled, and we'll do some fishing together. Uh, I can stay six feet away from you. We can be socially, what do they call it, uh, distancing, distant. <laughs> the boat's big enough. I'll, you can be on the bottom, I'll be on the back, and I'll tell you where to cast. It'll be fine. I'll wear a mask, whatever it takes. <laughs> so, anyways, on today's episode, I have a, uh, a fellow guide up here with me in South Dakota. Uh, last year, uh, he was out, and he did kind of just some, um, kind of was like a guide helper. This year, he's actually doing some guiding. And uh, he agreed to be on the podcast. So here we are. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk about some more snow goose hunting because that's I'm balls deep in it right now. We're kind of winding down. For me, I got a, a couple weeks left. Uh, we'll go into probably the beginning part of April. And uh, I'm not licensed for North Dakota. So that's where it will stop for me. And then I'll head back, uh, try to catch my breath. As it's been a grind, <laughs> not to, like I said, the, the last one, not to sound cliche, but man, when you're up before the sun and you go to bed after the sun has gone down, you know, and at this point in time that, you know, you, we can shoot to like, you know, after eight o'clock. So these are some long days and uh, we're giving it our all in that field most of that time. 
trying to put some birds in the dirt and save that tundra. That's exactly what we're trying to do. So, anyways, carved out some time, recorded an episode. Here I sit in my truck at the field entrance, getting ready to go back into the field, and I'm taking this time to record the intro for said show. So, here we go. Here's some spring snow goose hunting with fellow guide Brady on the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. fall asleep while recording a podcast. Dude, I had some long ass days. What time are we up in the morning? 6.15. We're out the door. Yeah, we're so up, alarm we're up goes at off at what, 5.30? Yeah. When do, I, when do I usually, my head usually hit the pillow? About midnight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're out. <laughs> you're out and I've already been sleeping. Uh, I just don't, I don't know how I do it, dude. I really don't. And you're out in the elements all day. Now, I'm not taking naps. I mean, I love me a good snow goose nap in the field. Nice sunny day beating down on you. Right. That e-collar going, you just tune it out. Next thing you know, you wake up because you just hear that random. You're like, ooh, that's not on the track. (laughs) You look (laughs) up, and there's just a Rossi boat up 300 yards straight up. Right. Full-on elevator straight down. Those are the good times. I had a shit day today, though. We didn't shoot anything. That's my third zero of snow goose guiding. Damn. Yesterday was my first zero of the season. Sucks. That was bad. Yesterday we had three. The day before that we had three. It had been good. South Dakota started off pretty hot for me, and then that got cold. Reverse migration. All them adults came back, and it just got shitty. Yeah. It's hard to work with them adult birds. Dude, it's impossible. Well, it's not impossible, but it's tough. And it's like same conversation with every new group of clients. You're like trying to explain to them like cuz they're all I, I don't know if, if you've experienced this, but all mine are like what don't they like about the decoys or what don't they like what what are they flaring on or what are they yeah. not? I'm like they're not flaring, they're just not doing it. That's something you got to explain to them. These are snow geese. They've been <laughs> shot at for months they've came down from canada they've been shot at they're working with their way up to canada you got to think how many states they've been through how many spreads they've seen yeah it's i think like the oldest goose now has been alive since the spring season has been a thing yeah 30 30 years all the snow geese in existence right now have seen it have only ever known life where they're hunted nine months out of the year straight The moment they leave the nesting grounds in the Arctic and they hit Saskatchewan, they are hunted from September all the way down into Louisiana and then right back up again, ends in May. So they get June, July, August off. That's it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's going to make some wary birds. And it's increasingly, it's, I mean, it, the snow goose hunting game has just been getting harder and harder. Yeah, every year's different. I think uh, they're adapting. Well, last year sucked because the hatch was bad. So yeah, you don't it was have all those jubies to lean on. Right. Which is what we're hoping for. We had a south wind today, and most of our birds moved out right away in the morning. Is that what you saw too? Uh, yeah. yeah ours Every, boogied out. Everything was moving right away. Uh, I'd say noonish. We had a lull, and then it was back up. Geese were back up and moving by one, two o'clock. We didn't have a ton of movement where we were at until much later. But I don't know. Sorry to say. And I have reports that they, a birds hit North Dakota today. Well, but they can have them. They can have, they can have done with them. They've been dealing with those adults for the last four days. I don't want no part of them anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're going to be back. Yeah, we got a cold snap coming, like a legit cold snap coming back. Yeah, single digits, and with the wind, it's going to be yeah. fairly negative. Well below zero yeah. wind chill temperature. It's going to be brutal. But then it turns right back around. Yeah, this All week, next week's this, 40s. This weekend is going to – I hope this is the last hurrah for the cold weather. I'm about done with it. Yeah, it's it's miserable. But I don't know. It's also fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It never gets old. Sick and – just sick and twisted. But Something you'll go right back to the next day anyway. We should probably introduce you – introduce yourself to the podcasting world. Uh Brady Ultimbrunes, goose hunting fanatic. Been doing it since I was 16. Going to be. And he's like 16 and a half now. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't grown up much, but. You're a young pup. What are you? 22? Going to be 24. 24. Yeah, you're a baby. Seen a couple of geese die. Nothing too serious, but. Yeah. And you're digging it. So is this like. <clears throat> you were out here with us with Premier Flight last year. Yeah. Lake Preston. Mm-hmm. Helping out. And so you're back out again this year. But we were just at the bar talking. You you said something in passing. Like, th- is this something that you want to pursue? Like, you're like you're going to take more time off next year to do more of the season? Yeah, it's always worth it. I mean, anything can happen. You never know. You're going to get a banger day. It's either going to be a banger day or you're going to kill nothing. I mean, it seems like nowadays, so. It's interesting. Like, I've been paying attention to how it's – and today was a little bit different. You guys had a little bit more action than we did. But it seems like more times than not, everybody experiences, like, the same thing. Like, 100 miles (laughs) different. You know, like, the geese are all just doing the same thing at the same time. It's like, how do they know? It's just got to be tied to weather or barometric pressure or something because – I know when other people are going to smash when I'm smashing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, the birds know what's going on before we do. And uh, I think that you're right on that. Everybody's either going to smash them or nobody's killing anything. And there is always some outliers. You know, you can go to the bar and you talk to the other hunters in there and they're like, how'd you do? It was tough. Yeah, we saw the same thing. And then you repeat that. Then there's that one group. They're like, man, we crushed them, you know. For whatever reason, you know, right. they just, you know, if you if you can figure that out, what makes the the little pea-sized brain click? Look, hey, we're gonna go down to that field, and if you happen to be in that field, gonna have a good day, and if you're not, it's gonna suck. 
That's snow goose hunting, though. It pretty much is. I mean, even my clients had never hunted snow geese before, and they already coined the phrase without hearing me say it that snow geese are a- snow geese are assholes. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah. wow. Because we'd have some that would kind of look and then just drift off, you know, and they're like, wow, snow geese are kind of assholes. I'm like, oh, you're picking up fast. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Stupid birds. But I I don't know. There's something about them, though. I love them. Love, love hate them for sure. I'm a hopeless snowmantic. Snowmantic. Yeah, I coined that phrase this year. Because every time a bird starts to set up, I think they're going to do it every time. Yeah, I, exactly. I just get all jacked up. I'm like, oh, 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 here they go. Oh, and then they drift back in. You're like, oh. Yeah, they like, just keep going. As soon as they stop flapping even a little bit, I'm like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, exactly. All day. It's like, just all right, all boys, day. they're going to do it right here. Yeah. yeah. That's all day for me. I'm just like, oh, here we go, here we go. Oh, oh here we go. Oh. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I don't know how to not to be optimistic about it. And I'm like, I'm not even trying to do it for the client's sake. Like, keep, like that's I just get excited. Yeah, exactly. Like I just think it's gonna go down, and anything can. Mm-hmm. It's, with snow goose hunting, it's like a like a light switch. It'll Yesterday, be off, and we only shot three, but the the two of the three we shot just did it so hard. Right in the decoys. I mean, straight the the last one we did was like he did a lawn dart impersonation, you know, a little flip upside down, but he literally was like beak pointed straight at our face, right above us, and he had to have dropped like. 75 Free feet falling. before he picked himself, caught himself up to drop again. But there was one point in time where he was like just wings tucked, like Let himself straight fall. coming down yeah. like a kingfisher. You know, That's I was beautiful. like, holy crap. It was, it was beautiful. Shed a little tear, got a little chubby. That's what it is. I get excited. <laughs> what did your clients think when you asked them what they thought? What, yesterday or today? Well, when you had that bird do that. Oh, they were, yeah, they were like, that was cool. They'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, well, some I, of the guys had. I mean, I was, I was hunting with Polly, um, the guys from Iowa, Brennan and Joe. They're cool. I hunted with them last year, and they came out again this year. Uh, they're super cool dudes. They just, like, talk. They like to talk and have a good time. It's it snow goose hunting's definitely an addiction. Yeah. Oh God. Hundred percent. They got hooked early. They said I think they said they started it like they started doing it four years ago, I I think. And they had like one or two rough days and then that last day they shot like over a hundred in the decoys. It was they said it was one of those days like they just kept coming. And they just kept oh, wow. shooting. So they're like they got addicted their first time out and they said it hasn't been anywhere near that since. <laughs> Ain't it weird how all of us get addicted because we have one good day. One good day. But honestly, it's like that's how a hunting hunting trip can be. You know, if you come out for three days and you know, it's slow, it's slow, and then that last day, even a, even a bad day, if you have like a bad day, like nothing's really working, nothing's really working. At any part of that day, you get one group to really do it good, like in tight. It makes the whole trip because it's like, oh man, but that one group did it. You know, it's like it's you know you rain out you know, 10 birds or something. It's just like, it's yeah, I mean, so it, awesome. It makes your day. It's, it's definitely a rush when you get them to do it right. What are you picking up as far as like, uh, information, tip tactics, like from last year when you came out to this year, what do you think you've learned about snow goose hunting? <laughs> You you got to constantly adapt. You're always thinking outside of the box. 
And with snow goose hunting, you can always do something. You can always do something. And I've noticed a lot of it is running the e-collars down lower, more realistic, um, flagging. I had a lot react to flagging. Look at your decoys. Make sure your decoys are all flipped the right way. Everything's looking good. Think about it in an aerial perspective. What is your decoys going to look like? Because we, we think of our decoys from the ground perspective. Take that pattern and look at it from the top. What are you looking at? You know, I think that's a big one, looking at decoys. Um, just trying to be outside of the box. They've seen everything. They that's, know They know everything. That's hard for a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys I know that are just, they're super set in their ways. Right. Like, you run this spread, I've been running this spread for X amount of years. Like, you just, it's got to be that way. You know, and it's usually a, a U shape or something with a hole in it or, you know, it's like that stereotypical, you've seen it in a magazine. This is how you set a decoy spread. And honestly, I've killed more over a decoy spread with no rhyme or reason, you know. When I drive around, I try to look at the birds. And I look swear what they're doing. no two fields are ever the same, like how they set up. and how I think it is just completely random. I mean, they, you know, they didn't go to school. They don't know the alphabet. They don't know how to make a U shape or a J shape or, you know, you know what I mean? They're, like, there, they're there to eat. They're just there to eat. Yeah, they're landing and they're, they're spreading out, you know, depending if it's super windy. Maybe they run, you know, a little tighter in rows, you know, through the corn. And it depends on what kind of field they're in too, you know. I've seen some feeds or loaves or whatever they're in the field super tightly packed since you know this yeah. year and then i've seen other ones where they're like crazy spread out i assume it has to do with food availability you know, yeah. how much waste grain is in that particular field or if they're even feeding you know if they're loafing they're probably going to be in there kind of tight they're just chilling right you know snow geese are pretty aggressive when it comes to feeding they're always going to jump to the front of the pack they're going to try and find the most food they're going to fight over it. They're really aggressive feeders. And I think a lot of that, you know, put in put into your decoy spread. You know, make them uh, them real tight groups up at the top of your spread. Make it look, you know, set your flyers. Make it look like they're jumping to the front of the spread. No rhyme or reason. No use or, you know, something with a kill hole. Make it look natural like yeah. them. they're real birds. Yeah, I just run it tight i mean i try to i try to be random which is sounds oxymoronic well tight well tight's good right tight's good tight's real good tight's, tight's real, real good. good yeah uh but then you know but again when i drive around and i see some of these feeds and they're super loose sometimes i think well man maybe i should just spread spread everything out you know it's like i don't know it's snow geese you when, can, when they're not doing it which is most of the time you just sit there and question yourself you know what i mean like you just like what can i do to do this and in my in my heart of hearts i really i i honestly believe like it doesn't matter what i do <laughs> like because it seems like when they do it they do it in spite of what you're doing not because of what you're doing you know it's like you'd be standing up screwing off and they're just bombing in yeah exactly that's what i had today i was fixing decoys and had a two-pack bomb into the decoys and my clients had shot them at 40 yards you know and kill both of them stone dead right there so it's nice when you have clients that can shoot. Yeah, that that was nice. I didn't even have to break out the gun today. There's a lot of clients can't shoot. 
But. And I don't really, really fault them for it, honestly, because it's like a lot of these guys only hunt once or twice a year. Exactly. You know. Well, I think that's a lot of it. I've even ran to some people like for Snoga something like they bought the gun they used for the trip a week before the trip. They oh wow! Even, they don't even fall hunt. They're like, oh yeah, we're gonna, you know, we all talked like that Snoga something thing looks cool. We saw it on the yeah. Interwebs. Let's try it. Let's go try it. I need a shotgun. They go out and buy a shotgun. You yeah, know? you run into a lot of first timers. It appeals to a lot of people, and I think, like you said earlier, you got to kind of explain it to some of your clients. Hey. It's not always peaches and cream. Yeah, well, I'm always <laughs> like, so what made you guys want to come out and do the snow goose hunting? And then before they answer, I go, it wasn't YouTube, was it? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, that ain't how it is. Right. <laughs> you think you can come out here and have a giant tornado every day, all day? I got bad news for you. Yeah, it ain't all peaches and cream. No, it's not. I mean, back in the day, you know, hunter bird days are pretty common. I mean, they're not that common anymore. No, they're it's pretty a, rare. You get twenty birds, you know, depending on how many guns you have in the field. But right, you have, you know, if you have a twenty to forty, fifty bird day, that's pretty exceptional. Yeah, that's a banger. That's a good day. Anything nowadays, you know, double digits, you're looking pretty good. So. I mean, I was last week. I was happy with with the two days in a row. I had like a twenty three and a sixteen. Yeah, I was that's happy a, that's pigs a, and shit. That's a good pile. Yeah, and again, and a lot of times they could have been bigger. You know. We had a couple groups get in pretty nice, and then you only drop one or two out. You're like, oh, how is that even possible? Right. There's always guns. How is this even possible? Yeah, there's always a couple groups where, you know, oh, man, we should have had more, could have had more. But that's snow goose hunting. Oh, yeah. You always could have done better. Yeah, for sure. You do a lot of honker hunting back home. Yeah. for Minnesota, too. That's that's my passion. Main hobby, something to do. If if you had to choose one or the other forever. Oh, honker hunting, definitely. Yeah, Hands down, decoy. it's hot. It's hot action. Because <laughs> they actually decoy. Yeah, they'll decoy and land, you yeah. know. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Well, like, yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd get in with that. But I don't know. The spring migration is pretty, pretty awesome, too. I mean, just the sights and sounds and all the ducks bombing into your decoys and we had a pretty good duck show today Clients oh yeah time same that, at least. yeah do you have any finish in the decoys almost they didn't quite yeah. put down but they were really thinking about it yeah mallard sprigs or yeah, yeah. both yeah well the one i got in real tight I actually brought my lanyard out mm-hmm. the last couple of days just to just to dick with the birds and yeah, this these this group of mallards was kind of low but they're on the outside and i just gave them a little feeder roll and they just Dude, they turn on a instant, dime. Instant. Yeah, just like, shoom. And then that just about put in the decoys in. Yeah. And then drifted them off. But Seems the, like everything does it into the snow goose spread when it's not season. Except for the honkers. Yeah. Those, like the resident, the giants out here, they want no part of it. I well, swear they know. I swear they're like, oh, those are fucking They're residents hunters. for a reason. They're old yeah. birds, too. Yeah. So. I'll even... I'll even talk to them with the call, and I get zero reaction. Like no. they don't, they don't ever change their path. They go around the white spread. They go from pond to pond. They feed by themselves, off in their own little field. They're always, they're always just by themselves. They're never within. Even if there's like a flock of cacklers or something mm-hmm. down, those giants just go feed by themselves. They do not hang out with the other birds. Yeah, and I feel like now with it being spring, they're just. Super like aggressive, 
with it being breeding season and them trying to have babies. I just yeah, feel they like got they're their just territory. crazy. They yeah. got their territory staked out right now. They don't mm-hmm. they don't move very far at all. You see that like back home they're starting to show up on the lakes and the ponds and stuff yeah. in Minnesota and they're just standing on the ice waiting for it to melt. <laughs> waiting for spring to show up. <laughs> kind of like the rest of us, I guess. I don't know. Fucking crazy back home. Yeah, except I don't get a whole lot of breeding in the spring, right? Yeah, me either. <laughs> or summer, fall, or winter. Other than that, I other than that, I tear it up. <laughs> other than yeah. spring, fall, summer, and winter, I yeah, I get sex all the time. Um, what was I gonna say? You derailed me with that thought. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, I think I was gonna talk about the coronavirus, but I don't want to talk about that. It's just crazy back home. Just running rampant. It's just, it's, I can't even, ra- honestly, I'm, we're at the point now that I can't wrap my mind around it, like what's actually going down. What? Just, Minnesota's like, shut down now, right? Every state's shutting down. I mean, yeah. con- uh, countries around the world, Canada closed their border. Like, I'm just like, I don't get it. And you almost, I mean, just, you almost have to, though, because you, you know, you can't really. I mean, I get it, but I, I, I get it. I get why they're doing it. I understand. I understand the bigger picture. When I mean, when I say I don't get it, it's just like this is just so surreal. It's just so unprecedented. Yeah. Like the, uh, we're like we're living in a damn movie. It's just bizarre. But you know what they say? We get like a like a plague every hundred years, right? Yeah, well, this, this well, might be it. But th- this one's not even supposed to be that deadly. This is just causing more financial death. And yeah, it's just messing up the market. Yeah, we'll see. But as long as it doesn't get in the way of my hunting, right? <laughs> well, or fishing, which it might. I mean, I'm trying to book fishing trips for the summer. Could be a I don't know band. how many people know. are. Well, I don't even know if it's that. People might just not be able to afford it. You know, things are going to get tight. They're, they're, they might not be thinking about frivolous spending on going on an up north vacation and hiring a guide and. You know, it could be tough. I don't, I don't know what's in store for that. We're, we're seeing kind of a boom because, you know, spring break mm-hmm. has been extended pretty much indefinitely. So people are like, <laughs> at least fuck the it, end let's of the go month. snow goose hunting. Right. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, that's what my, my clients had to say. Hey, let's come back, man. We got a couple weeks to burn. Why not? Ain't allowed back in class. Let's go kill them. Might as well. Better than sitting at home on lockdown tinder <laughs> uh you're trying to not spread diseases i think i don't know that tinder is a good way to go yeah well probably not advised i don't i don't i wouldn't know anything about that's a young man's game that one's definitely a young man's game um so what else honker hunting we covered that you're in like the southern part of the state yeah yeah southwest corner do you guide uh here and there uh a lot of it's just killing birds you know take some buddies out get them on some birds i like putting on you know a show for some people that haven't really had the opportunity to experience a sport for what it is it's a dying sport waterfowling in general and less and less every year there's licenses being sold and I, I just think we need to involve people a little bit more. And well, we might <laughs> hunting might see a boom here with this. That's that's one positive that might come out of this 
coronavirus nonsense. <laughs> you can't you can't buy food right now, I guess, and well, every Walmart's empty. At least back home, from what I hear. Yeah, from what I've heard, they don't have anything. They got nothing. Like, nothing good. So, people might be like, you know what? That hunting thing don't look so bad anymore. <laughs> we might, yeah. see, a, we might see a spike in, in hunting sales this fall. Or they're just hunting so they're not starving. Well, yeah, well, yeah trust me. This shit ever, if the shit continues to go downhill and it just turns out like an apocalyptic movie where it's just every man for themselves, yeah, I'll be fine. Catch me in the snuggoo spread. Screw that. I need to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll starve. Forget that. Well, I mean, I'll shoot specs. <laughs> they, yeah. they always do it, right? Yeah. Specs are nice. Screw the snuggies. You'll, you'll starve to death counting on them damn things. Ain't it crazy? You know, month after the season closes, they're already pulling their shit. Yep. How yeah. many do you have decoy within shooting range today? Speckle bellies. Oh, I don't know. A lot. Close enough to throw your gun at? Pretty much. Yeah. Actually, we didn't have any come in that tight today, but usually you do. I mean, I always tell my clients, uh, I'm always like, if you catch them by hand, it's not poaching. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're not shooting them. If they come close enough where you can grab, grab one, <laughs> that's not poaching. I'm like, don't quote me on that. I don't know if that's in the book, but that's my rule. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of had to stop an old timer today. He had pulled up on a spec, Uh-oh. and I said, wait, don't shoot. It's a spec. Don't shoot. Oh, come on. It's the best tasting goose there is, right? <laughs> yeah. They are pretty tasty, but I like snow geese, too. I, you know. What do you do with your snow geese when you uh, – how do you go about uh, cooking them? I do all sorts of stuff. People are so tired of hearing me, but I do snow goose tacos, which are pretty quick and easy. Like a fajita? Fajita style. Yeah. Thin, Cutting thin strips, yep. And then uh, they're super easy. I mean, I can run – run through it again for the millionth time in this podcast but you cut them in thin strips take like a regular taco seasoning packet i put like a third of that on the meat itself and then i'll chop some fresh garlic i get a pan of butter going melting in the pan and when that uh garlic has kind of had time to release its flavor into the butter then you turn the heat up throw your meat in there you're just going to toss it super quick all you want is like just to brown it you don't want it because you got them they're already thin you could overcook them super fast you're cooking them for like three minutes yeah that's water toss them around just slightly brown them take them off the heat right away put them in a bowl then you got your onions and you you saute your onions up until they're good and caramelized ready to rock then then it's the packet on the taco seasoning add some water add the rest of the packet simmer that down so you get that good taco gravy just throw your meat back in just long enough to heat it back up again you don't want to cook it anymore you're just warming it up to eat it you got all your taco fixing on the table boom i mean no more than a half hour you're you're stuffing your face and right. it's super good it's is that super tender that's kind of how it is for most waterfowl you don't want to overcook yeah them, that's right? what it is for a lot of wild game i mean not bear or wild boar you know nobody wants trichinosis but you know venison yeah you don't want to overcook it any duck any goose don't overcook it they say what medium rare usually medium rare 100 i use a meat thermometer meat thermometer is your best friend when it comes to wild game you know, don't leave it to chance or guesswork you know right stab that thing what is it you know i take i like to take the meat off at 130 it'll usually rest to 135 which is perfect medium rare yeah and that i mean that's all new to me. I usually have like uh, 
a meat stick or jerky made up. And and there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, I think I think it's good to have a lot of different ways to eat it. I mean, you can't eat snow goose tacos every day. No, it'd you know, get old. You can't just grill up a breast every day. You can't, you know what I mean? It's like, and I mean, the other thing I like to do is on the complete opposite in the spectrum where you're like technically overcooking it because you're cooking it to the point where it starts to break down. You do it like a braise technique. I like to use the legs for that. And that is like some of the best eating you'll ever have. I mean. Right off the leg. Dude, it's so good. But you're cooking it, literally cooking it till the meat is falling off the bones. I mean, it's just like it it comes out like like uh, shredded beef, kind of. I mean, it's so good. And you're using like a wine reduction and uh, falls apart. God, it's so good. You make a gravy with what's left and you throw some potatoes and carrots in there right before it's done. And, oh, God, it's so good. But that takes a long time. That's not, you know, you're not coming home from work and making that. No. That's, that's a Sunday deal. You know, you start that about 1, 2 o'clock, let it cook all day. Right. Four, five, six, depending on how many legs or how big a birds. You know, honkers, obviously, they're bigger and tougher. It's going to take a little bit longer to break that meat down. So, um, yeah, that's an all-day thing. But, man, when you walk into your house, it's going to smell good. Yeah. So what good. do you think about uh, slow cooking? Slow cooker, like a... Like a crock pot? Yeah. Like I don't, Something with I don't uh, onions do or... a ton of crock pot cooking, but I don't see why you couldn't. But it's the same thing. You're going to want to cook it till it's it's falling apart. Right. That's what I do. Because there's, there's a uh, spot in between where it's just going to be tough because you're cooking it well done at some point in time. Right. And then it's going to be tough, dry, and terrible. But you have to then keep cooking it until you get past that. You know, the old... The old time way people used to do the lazy way is like, oh, we just I'll put it in a can of cream and mushroom soup, put it in a crock pot all day. Well, cover it up. Yeah, you're basically covering up the flavor for one. But the other thing you're doing is you're you're cooking it in fat. I mean, it's con you're it's duck confit at that point, which yep. is all confit means is like in fat. So, um, that that's what the cream and mushroom soup is is accomplishing. But then even that, most people don't cook it long enough. They're not cooking it till it's falling apart. They're cooking it. It's well done and it's tough. Tough like a hockey puck. Yeah, but the you know the cream mushroom soup is good, and that's what that's all they're eating, and they're eating it because they feel morally obligated to eat it. And it's like they'd be better off doing a quick fajita style brown without the taco seasoning. Maybe just salt and pepper. Maybe some garlic powder or onion powder or whatever. You got your if you want if you want to do the cream of mushroom soup thing. Do your fajita style strips. Get those cooked salt and pepper, whatever. Have them resting. Get your bowl of soup rocking. And when that thing's ready and hot, kill the heat. Take your goose meat. Throw it back in there. And then eat it like that. Because the meat's going to be tender. It's going to be good. And then you have the mushroom flavor on there. Basically, you're using it. You're using the cream of mushroom soup like gravy at that point. You know, right. that would be pretty good. You know, well, anything good, anything gamey is good if you can cook it right. Just don't overcook it. That's pretty much the that's pretty much the key. I love wild game. I mean, I, I prefer wild game over beef. I mean, I really do. Like, it, if I if I'm craving a steak, I want venison or I want a goose breast. I don't 
you're not the first person to tell me that either. My taxidermist says the same thing. He'll prefer venison over everything. We're so used to, you know, growing up, especially in the upper Midwest, but in America in general, we're so used to flavorless meat, you know. Look at what we like as a as a society. Chicken, which doesn't taste like anything. Beef, which doesn't really taste like anything. Pork, doesn't really taste like anything. Right. And fish, doesn't really taste like anything. It's like you get in arguments about, I love on these forums, people are like, what's your favorite fish to catch? I really like crappies. Or I really like walleyes. I like sunfish. Dude, they all taste the same. And by the same, right. I mean they all don't taste like anything. They taste like whatever you bred it in. Right, generic taste. Salmon has flavor. Trout has flavor. Tuna has flavor. And then you, but then as soon as something has flavor, you hear a lot of people go, oh, "I don't like salmon. It's too fishy for me." Oh, you mean it has flavor? Yeah. Like, they talk you mean, shit on you mean trout. it actually tastes like something, mm-hmm. not just salt, pepper, and some breading? You know, right? You're not covering beer it batter. Up. Like, it's so dumb. But no, I I love I love wild game. The one we did last fall when we smashed. In North Dakota, that was so much fun. Actually got to shoot those damn specs. That was like the vindication hunt for sure when we got to actually shoot into decoying specs. How many chances in your lifetime would you say you've gotten at a speckle belly? Uh, Just this last fall. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Three days out of my life I've had a chance at a speckle belly. Legally. (laughs) (laughs) Even living in southwest Minnesota, I mean, we see the specks in the fall. They just, they're two miles high, and they need an oxygen mask, and they're on a mission, you know? Yeah. You can't get them to break down. They and there's no, They have no interest. No, and then, I mean, there's a couple guys you'll see. Yeah, every year, and actually seems like more and more. You're, you're, they'll be like, yeah, this oh, year, there'll be I a random a weekend or a random day where all of a sudden – the internet blows up and people are shooting specs. Right, or you'll see them, them occasional snows that decoy into honker decoys. Yep. Yeah. Usually snows in Minnesota do decoy though. Yeah, right like away. If you get a random pair or a small group and they have and you're out honker hunting, they usually give yeah you they a usually good give look. it up right because they're fucking lost. I mean, <laughs> like, there's no, no business being where they're at anyway. Right. So they're like, well, I guess I'll hang out with these guys. Can't find any of my own peeps, so whatever. And snow geese, I feel like, are kind of like the the oddball out or whatnot in the goose world. They'll kind of just mix in with anything they can find. Today, we had a group of specs come over, and I don't know, probably 20 specs or so. And right in the back, you see a lone yeah, snow a goose. Yeah, white one in there. Yeah, yeah. And he, he just didn't know what to do. He was kind you of see that playing follow the leader. You watch these birds, and I'm always like, I'm surprised they even get where they're going ever because they all just seem lost all the time. You'll have one flock coming through, and you'll get some break off. And, of course, me being the hopeless snowmantic that I am, I'm like, oh, oh, here they come. He's gliding. His wings are set. And all he's actually doing is trying to catch up to the other to flock. a different flock that's going an entirely opposite, going back the way he just came, and he jumps in there. And goes right back the way it came. Like, you just came from there, dude. Yeah, Where are you going? It's, it's crazy to think about. And I feel like a lot of it, they're just kind of checking you out. Uh, I had some adult birds look at me. And you get that lone juvie that comes and he'll break off from the pack. And then you 
see them adults come over and snatch them up, and it's like, no, stupid, you're you're, <laughs> you're messing up here. You need to follow Dude, us. We got so screwed by a speck yesterday. We had this pair of snows just eating it up, and they're coming. They're making their final pass. They were already they were already in range. The first time they came through, not the first time they came through, but they they passed overhead. They were on the upper end of the range, but I could. I was pretty confident by their body language that they were going to come around and get even lower yet. So I'm like, we let them go, and they're they're making a big wide turn, and they're dropping lower, and they're getting there, and all of a sudden this speck just comes from nowhere. Sucks I mean, them out. From a, so far away, and he's flying like a son of I swear to God he, this was intentional because he was flapping, trying to catch up to him like super fast. He catches up to him, joins him. There's three of them as they're kind of cupped out. He turns, they follow, and they go back the way he came, the way he came from. And he just pulled them right, right away from us. So you son of a bitch! Yeah, he was telling them, "Hey, <laughs> he literally he saved their life, like one hundred percent saved those those geese's life." Yeah, I, I think that's something we don't take into perspective. Is geese have a language too? You know, they have grammar that they use and they talk to, and they have tones. They're just we don't understand them because there's a language barrier. Well, there. if I can. Snows then are bilingual because they they were picking up what he was putting down. He actually he I don't even think he was squeaking. I don't even think he was calling. He just went in there, joined them, and he turned back and they followed him. They knew what was going Son on. Son of a bitch! I didn't. Really, I mean, I've I've seen other flocks, you know, kind of screw it up. They come at a cross angle and they get you know almost midair collision, and the next thing you know, they all leave. That's the first time I've had like a lone spec come in and just it looked so intentional like it literally looked like he was coming in to save like hey 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 hey, 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 hey don't right, go in exactly. there don't go in there like i said it it's like hey stupid what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah come on let's go exactly that sucked so bad just makes you want to go shoot him in the fall that much more but that's probably never going to happen again in the hey, dakotas canada you can go to the uh, up there in the fall and use an e-call or so. I know. I need to get up there, actually. We talk about it every year. Yeah. Because that's when they're stupid. I well, mean, these birds, fresh juvies. Yeah, stri- fresh juvies that have never seen a hunter or a decoy in their life. Right. I think that's going to pan out. Well, they think they're just coming <laughs> into another group of birds. Exactly. So you watch some of them videos on YouTube. There's guys, you know, shooting 200-some birds in an hour, and they just get tired of shooting, so they quit. I don't think that would ever happen to me. I'd have to get to my limit. That I'll quit when I reach what is my it, limit. What is it in the fall it's for Canada? Pretty like 50, healthy. 100, something like that. I think it's 50 snows. I don't think it's that many specs, though. I think it's only three, maybe five. Yeah, I think it's. I think they count as darks, darks up no, there. Are, do they? I know in North Dakota they used to, but they changed it now. Canada spec, and specs have their own limit. limit, so you can have you can take eight. Hawkers. Eight, eight Canadas. Eight Canadas and then three specs. So you could take 11 darks and your, well, 50, and your 50 snows. I think that's a lot just because people would probably pile Dude, it is specs. a lot. I mean, we had, I think it was seven guys out there. So, I mean, we've got our dark limit of 77 birds. Max, there might even been eight guys. How many? Let me see. Hold on. I mean, uh, 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 uh. was it eight? No, it'd be seven. I think it's seven. Eight, regardless, so I mean that's seven. That's seventy-seven birds, just in the darks. And then we shot a few snows too, plus two swans. I mean that was a pile of birds. 
That was a pile of birds. So much meat. So what I did with that is I ground it all up, like almost everything. I saved I saved a couple whole breasts. And I saved a couple legs and stuff like that. Like but a goose bird. Well, actually, I didn't, actually I didn't save any legs because we were you know we bird hitched them out in the field. So you're when you use the bird hitch, all you have is the the breast meat, you know, with the wing attached or whatever. Right. So then when I got them home, I took the meat off the bone, off the breastbone, and then I just saved a couple whole ones if I want to make, like, a snow goose steak or whatever or tacos. But then the rest of it I just cubed up, fired up the old meat grinder, just went to town, and then mixed it, like, uh, with one-third hamburger. Okay. Vacuum sealed them in one-pound portions and just stacked them bitches up in the freezer. Now, anytime we go to use anything for ground meat, we just use that. You know, chili or whatever, Makes hot, it some sort of hot dishes, too. hot dish or whatever. Well, it's just a good way of of, Getting of, of using, right. of utilizing a lot of meat. You know, and it's good. I mean, you're getting, you're adding. The only reason I'm adding the burger in the first place, the ground beef, is just for the fat. Yeah. Know? Otherwise, it would just be super dry. Right. So. Yeah, and goose meat. I mean, is really dry. Yeah, meat. most wild game is like super dry, super lean. But I, don't, I mean. I can't say that it's saving us money because <laughs> if you think about how much money you spent to go get that, <laughs> get those geese, that's like some of the most expensive meat on the planet oh, right there. <laughs> that is the most expensive <laughs> meat on the planet. Well, what are you taking to, what do you think for cost roughly? Oh God. What do you think a goose costs? When you get the cost of license, gas, Decoys, All camouflage that. clothing, calls, time off of work, gas station food. I mean, how would gas you gas station even... coffee? Yeah, I mean, I mean, dude, it'd be it's it's like a hundred bucks a pound. For, for yeah. the, I'm probably not that far off. I mean, it's like. So start. I can't. I'm gonna sit here and can't say that it's like, oh yeah, we're you know we don't. It's saving on our meat budget. No, it's not. <laughs> Better start serving but that shit up on we a don't, silver platter. We don't have to buy any ground beef when we go to the store. It's one less thing we have to remember to get, because we have a bunch of it. Well, now I'm thinking now with these the damn coronavirus and the stores being empty, I'm like, I gotta get back to doing it to grind up some more meat. Yeah. I'm going to start taking some of these birds from the clients. Like, I know I shot that one. I'm telling you, I'm just coming home with me. <laughs> yeah, I got to eat. Home, home always got to eat. For real. Uh, what else? Do you do any fishing in summer? Uh, a little bit There's in the no spring. lakes down there. You don't have any lakes in southwest Minnesota. Couple. It It really shuts off during the summer. Spring, you're getting, I mean, it's right around walleye opener. You're going to get. You're good walleyes, but as soon as it gets hot, it slows down. Well, you just got nowhere to find them. Just got nowhere to look. Most people don't. I hear the dog days of summer thing. Actually, I think what why it's hot, it, it can get difficult for some people to catch fish during the dog days is actually has more to do with the fact they're eating a lot, but there's more bait fish that time of year than any other time of the year. Oh, they've already ate. The, right. The, all the minnows have spawned. The new baby minnows are to a certain size. All, you know, perch, 
bluegills, all the forage base, like there's so much real food right, exactly. in that lake for them to eat. Like they're eating. Like when they do, like there's studies and you, they look at like stomach content. Like during the dog days of summer, they're eating, they're eating a lot because they're, you know, they're cold water, the warm, the water's warmer. So their metabolism is as fast as it they're ever is during the year. So they're eating all the time, but right. they have real stuff to eat. So that's less chance they're going to fall for your fake shit. You know? Right, exactly. And then, I mean, in some cases, in some extreme cases, the water can get too hot where that actually puts them in a funk. But for the most part, the reason they're hard to catch is is that there's too much real food available for them. Yeah, and they, you gotta be. And on they're a full. Boat. They're eating. They're not. They're not hungry. Chances are. And you gotta be on a boat and actually get out there because they're not necessarily gonna be on the shoreline. Yeah, more likely not. For sure. A lot of them only come during the summer. They'll come in at night. Maybe get some food. Michelle, yeah. Yeah. Unless you got some rivers or streams you can wade. Those are good during the day, during the heat of summer. That's actually my favorite time to fish rivers is straight heat of summer. Water's low. They're congregated in the deeper pools, and you can wade to them. Competition's high, so they bite readily. You know, right. It's a lot different than lakes. Well, it's moving water, too. It's a little cooler. Yeah, I haven't done that in a long time, but I used to wade fish a lot. A lot, a lot. It's fun. Have you ever done it? Yeah, back in high school, I actually did that with a couple buddies and former coach of mine. We had actually had a pretty great day just tossing into, you know, right past. It was actually past the current into some brush on the other side. (laughs) Funny story. We we put all the fish on one stringer, right? My buddy, he's got the stringer. We're walking up to the vehicle at the end of the afternoon, and just so happens that the stringer comes untied from his waiter oh, loop. Oh, shit. And uh, they're on our fish. Son of a bitch. I lost a big-ass trophy crappie on a very similar uh, scenario. You know, old man, we're fishing up north. We had one of those wire bass fish baskets, you know, live net. He had it tied onto the boat. He had it tied into Orlock. And then as we got to this really shallow, weedy area, we had to use the oars. So we had to untie it, you know, right. put the oar lock in there. So we get through there. We start fishing again. Sun's beating down. He he looks over and sees that basket on the floor. He's like, oh, crap. We got to get these fish in the water. They're drying out. Tosses it over the edge thinking it's tied on. And it Forgot wasn't. that he untied it to use the oar lock. And this wasn't the one with the little floating lid on it. This just went down straight down i had like a two pound crappie in there and i was probably i was young eight nine ten or something like that and he was gonna get it mounted for me and he which was a big deal because we were broke i mean he for him to say he was gonna mount it for you spend the money to get it mounted was a pretty big deal and uh that was the end of the fishing trip he was he was so pissed He's like, oh, let's just go. Me, I was like, well, let's fill that bitch up again. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was like, no, he was so frustrated. Frustrated, we packed up and left. Went home for the day. But I was like, I don't know why you tie I don't know why you tie it into the Orlock anyways. So you could have there's a million places you could have tied that to in the boat. That's like the worst spot. Right. But whatever. It is what it is. Isn't it ironic? I had that something like that happened to a crappie. I mean well, not like that, but similar story where shit gets messed up and 
you don't end up keeping the fish, but long story short, this crappie was, you know, big enough to hold next to the bucket. Right. It's, you know, making the bucket look small. And uh, my grandpa, he ended up uh, taking it out of the pail that I had set up by the house and no reason to uh, think anything different. He just cleaned the whole pail of fish. And I came oh, back no. and, Grandpa, where's my fish? Well, I cleaned everything you had brought back in the pail. Yeah. So there bitch. there went that fish. and I don't know. It was kind of a fish of a lifetime. I don't, I've never caught anything close to it yet. Dude, big crappies make, get my heart pumping for sure. They're awesome. Go to a couple them Iowa farm ponds. You'll get a couple monsters. Oh, yeah. They have crappies down there. Usually they all stock with bass and bluegill. Black crappies. You see white crappies up there where you're at? Yeah, we get some. We have some whites. I don't I don't know if I've ever seen a white crappie outside of an aquarium. Really? They usually, Actually, the further south you go, the more you run into them. Yeah, we don't really. I've never caught one. Hmm. Caught a bunch of them. Catch them in, um, I think the farthest north I've caught them is Pacagma Lake in Pine City. Wow. It's pretty far north. Otherwise, they're connected. Well, it's not weird that they're in there because white crappies are in the St. Croix and St. Croix, and then the snake runs into the St. Croix. So it's all connected. It's, yeah. It's, I guess, not that surprising that that has whites, but as far as just picking a random lake in that area that's not connected to a river system. It's like probably the farthest North Lake that has whites in it, but the whites seem to get bigger than blacks in general. Actually. Yeah. What do you know about, uh, yellow bass? You catch a lot of those? No, as far as I know, yellow bass are only in the Southeast corner of the state. See, we, we catch a lot of the yellows. Well, they have white bass. Right. That's completely different. We catch uh, the yellow bass. They're like a panfish. Yeah. They got a red, they eye, get red eye on them. I'd say, yeah, the size of a sunfish. And yeah. But they look like white bass, only they're yellowish. Right. And where I'm fishing at, it's across the border in Iowa, probably 20 minutes. It's kind of a one of them nuisance deals you keep a pail and you don't throw any back bring everything with you oh really why is that they're native there's just so many of them really i mean me and my buddy and a couple other guys you know you get the right time of year late winter you're hole hopping following schools it ain't uncommon to fill a couple pails i just pulled up a picture here they don't have red eyes don't they? No. They're just they look like a white bass. They're just really yellow. I mean maybe they where you're catching them they have like kind of a whitish tint to it. I mean but that's like a side by side well it's a drawing. But that's like a side by side with yeah. a, a white and a yellow. But there was an actual picture that I was looking at. Like this one right here. And it's just a normal fish eye. So for a minute there, when you said they had red eyes, I'm like, you're not, you're not thinking like a rock bass is a yellow bass, are you? We're going to have to have this mm. conversation. 
Because they don't look, rock bass don't look anything like that. I have a soft spot in my heart for rock bass. Do ya? Patrick, you hear me, you hear me brother. My, my rock bass cohort. I don't know. They don't get, they're like the Rodney Dangerfield of the fishing world, man. They don't get enough respect. They have broad shoulders. They fight good. They bite readily. They're generally pretty good size because nobody keeps them. Everybody thinks they're just trash fish. Oh, they get wormy. Those things are terrible. I'm telling you. If I catch a mess of panfish, mix of crappies, bluegills, and rock bass, and I clean them things up. You're going to tell the And difference. I bread them and I fry them. I got, a, I got a $100 bill for it if you can pick out the rock bass. You're not going to be able to. That's kind of the same way with ducks. People say, oh, certain ducks taste bad. Well, I think if you cook them all together, it'd be pretty hard to pick it apart. Uh, yes and no. I mean, there's a difference. I did a side-by-side with mallard and canvas back, and I plucked them, and I roasted them whole. I treated them exactly the same way, cooked them the same way, everything. And I like mallard, so it wasn't like, you know, one was good and one was bad, but... I did. I do know why they call Camasbacks King of the Ducks. I mean, it was it was good. It definitely was better than Mallard. Well, that's why but during you, the old market days they were. Yeah, that's the species. Yeah, that's of the choice. one they wanted. That's the right. one they wanted in the in the restaurants. But if you take a Mallard and like a diver, you know. Well, that's a different. You story. can definitely that's tell. That's a different story. You can definitely tell a difference. But say you put a wood duck and a mallard next to each other, and you have them cut up. Yeah, it's pretty similar. Yeah, if you can't tell the size. One thing I like to do, I didn't do it this year, but I usually do it every year. When I, I'll take a woody, a full, and I'll, I'll pluck them. Let's see, do I pluck them? Do I save the skin? I don't think I do pluck them. I think I just. I take the whole carcass, so legs, breast. I don't, I don't just breast them. I don't break them down. And I take that whole duck and I throw it in a pot with, you know, salt, pepper, some herbs, and whatever. And I simmer that, kind of like the braise technique. Except then I'm not braising them. I'm not browning them first. And I put them in there until those things, till I start fishing out bones, till all that meat breaks down. And I fish all those bones out, and then I reduce that water down, that stock down. And just make soup. You had noodles or a stew or something. It's so good. I didn't do it this year, though. But that's a traditional well, meal I have every year. Does it kind of use the the flavor from the grease for well, that? Or? Um, no, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not plucking them. Because the early in season, like when we have woodies, they're not usually very fatty. There's not much fat on them anyways. No. But you're what you're getting is you're getting all the like the soft tissue, you know, all the like tendon stuff that generally makes it tough. That stuff like melts down and becomes part of the stock, you know, and you get all sorts of you know, good duck fat flavor in there and you know, it's it's whatever else you put in. It's just a good rich it just makes a good rich stock, you know, all that cartilage and everything else that's in there. It's super good. And good for you, getting all sorts of good stuff. So we've talked fishing right back to right back to fall. How about ice fishing? Do much of that? Yeah, right away. Uh, as soon as our water freezes up, pretty much, I'll get out on some early ice. But I do a whole lot of honker honker hunting, so it kind of 
coincides right there. You got iced up lakes. They like sitting on ice. Yes, so. they do. Do you do ice hunts? Yeah. Dude, dude, those are awesome. Sometimes you really don't need the open water, I've found. Uh-uh. I've Bunch taken... of sleeper shells on the ice. Yeah, and dude, a shovel. So a nice. shovel, get the snow out of the way, make it look like half-ass mm. open hole. I don't even. We don't even make it look like open hole. You just throw them out there. Oh yeah. I mean that's what they do. They stand on the ice. I guess we haven't really done it in snow, but if you just have those days where it's ice, you know. I mean that's what we're finding them loafing or roosting anyways on is on the ice, you know, like a frozen bay off of a river right. channel or something. A uh, lot we've of we've actually done it on a lake too and shot birds. Yeah, a lot of guys do that. Uh, they'll do a ice spread on a lake somewhere and i mean anything passing by is gonna look at that and it's interesting you know it's a place to sit down there's hey there's birds down they do end up looking pretty real yeah the spreads and you can talk about thinking outside the box i mean not that many people are out there doing ice hunts no by that time a lot of your weekend warriors are at home or they're deer hunting yeah or deer hunting because it's a lot of times that first ice happens that one of those two weekends of opening firearm season for deer is when we get our first like cold snap and you get two three inches just enough to walk on right and get those get those decoys out there but that is so much fun we had we did we had one really good ice hunt last year last fall and then one not so great one but what do you think about ice eaters necessary or not necessary i think they'd be great if you can use them but you can only use them on private waters in minnesota right so it's and they're I think anything over deadly on on ducks i think anything over was it 10 acres is considered public yeah yeah i'm not sure there's something to do with that i haven't looked into the regs i don't have one so it's kind of a moot point but anyways oh brady it's getting late I'm getting sleepy. We've almost talked for an hour. Yeah. That's pretty good. Better what what are off. your plans for the future? Are you trying to make this hunting thing a career? Or are yeah, you just kind of doing it because you like it? And Well, I like it, but I could see it as being a future career choice. I enjoy the people, enjoy the hunting community, and I just think, you know, if we could involve some more people, it wouldn't be a dying sport so i think that's my main goal is just to get people involved and keep it going yeah spread the share share the information which you know i don't know it's the interwebs are a dark and dangerous place but you yeah get some of these forums and people you got trolls wanna, for days yeah they, and they just want to keep everything for themselves and they don't you know you get, oh, don't don't ruin it. We don't want more people. And no, we absolutely need more people in the well, sport. Well, that's what's wrong with the sport is you're not involving right. everybody. Yeah. it's They just they want it easy. They don't want competition, but they're not seeing the bigger picture that with competition, if other people are hunting, that's more money into the resource. Yeah, I was just going to say have. that. That's money you have that yeah. gets put back into yeah. it. And, and it's voices at the table when stuff like, banning hunting comes up for the ignorant masses that don't know living in the concrete right jungle. exactly we need like, more people we need more voices at the table so the more the more people that are doing it the better off we're going to be as a whole because if you don't think hunting can't get banned you're 
you're not paying attention. Well, you know, already banned lion hunting in California. Yeah. They banned trapping in California. You can't bear hunt in New Jersey. You know, like it happens with it with how today's society is. I mean, guns in general. That's you know, you never know when Uncle Sam's gonna come to your door and say, "Give me your guns." Yeah, I so. don't think that's gonna happen. At least I hope they don't try to do Hopefully it. Hopefully not. It ain't gonna go down good. I know that. <laughs> I'm glad we got a lot of these. Find, they're going to find out that a lot of these these Pro good old boy guys, redneck yeah. dudes that have been saying out of my cold, dead hands actually mean it. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it's, it's just a saying. I think it's a saying for some people, but I think it's a way of life for a lot of people. That would be a civil war. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to be good. But Well, anyway, Dale, yeah, I suppose Let's go ahead and wrap here. this up and then... Uh, some sleep. We'll be back up at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we'll get at her. Yeah, later. Yep. See ya.